0: Hey, everyone. I'm so glad you guys have joined me for the Off the Bench podcast. This is the episode where my friend, Dr. Mark Sherwood, is going to join me and we're going to answer listener questions. You guys are going to be really encouraged. Stick around. All right. So you guys, before we get started, I want to say thank you to everybody who's leaving reviews for the show over at iTunes, And uh, leaving reviews, if you guys can leave a five star review and just write what you love about the show, we are going to start in January. We're going to start drawing names and uh, starting to send you guys some swag from the Heidi St. John podcast. So we're excited about that. Also, want to say thanks for sending in your questions for Dr. Mark Sherwood. You can send those to us at heidi.stjohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. That's how you do it. Before we do that, I want to say hey to my friend Mark, Dr. Mark, welcome
1: back. Hey, thank you for having me on, as always. I appreciate you. And I got to be one that's going to go on there to leave a five-star review because I want a chance to win some swag.
0: Hey, man, you're not going to be sorry either because the team is putting some really cool ideas out right now for some swag. So you need a you need a hat, Mark. I I, I think you need one.
1: I'm going to do it. <laughs> if I win a hat, I'm going to wear the hat on the next show. Okay.
0: All right. I'm going to hold you to it. That'll be fun. You can wear your no. hat. I'll wear my hat. It'll be great. All right. I want to jump right into these, Mark, because as you've seen the list, yep. we've got a lot. So we're going to start with a YouTube comment that came in from Grace. And she said, Heidi, my three-year-old son got a hepatitis shot about three months ago and it swelled up big and red. With warm compressing and massage, it turned to a normal color, but now it constantly itches. He rubs it all day long. It's been three months I've taken him back to his pediatrician three times and every time they say it'll go away and I have to come back in a month to check it. What can I do? What is the cause? She mentioned that the nurse may not have put the shot in exactly the right spot. Wow. Mark, what do you think about that? A a little three-year-old.
1: Yeah. For the poor little guy, um, obviously with him suffering like that three months later, I mean, the injection site um, response is one of the most common negative responses of any vaccine, of course. Um, Right. Grace, thank you for your question, too, by the way. You may you may look at some some cold packs on it to see what that does. You may also look at putting a little bit of uh, coconut oil, some soft uh, antimicrobials on that or maybe some colloidal silver, because ultimately there's something that the body's responding to at the injection site. And my intuition tells me it's probably some kind of ingredient within that vaccine that um, your little son's body Is trying to reject.
0: And so should she be a little bit more cautious the next time she goes in for a vaccine, given the fact that he's having this kind of a reaction to this one?
1: Yes, without question. You know, I've uh, we've been very aware of the the, the vaccine increasing frequency and the pressure that's put on uh, young mothers. But moms, if you're out there, you're in control. You Mm. space those vaccines out accordingly as you feel necessary, as you have a piece about it. Don't be pressured in anything. You're the parent. Ultimately, it's your responsibility and therefore it's your decision making.
0: Mm, that's right. It's a good advice. Diana in North Carolina wrote in to say, Heidi, my daughter has ADHD and autism and she has arthritis. What are Dr. Mark's thoughts on the specific carbohydrate diet in helping both of us? Is there a different eating plan that you'd recommend? And what are some supplements that could help with her impulse control issues and behavioral aspects? that go along with autism and ADHD. She's 13, so her hormones are starting to play a role in this as well. Uh, this mama says she has a particular kind of arthritis. How do you say that? Because I don't know.
1: Psoriatic arthritis.
0: Psoriatic arthritis. That's yes. it. Yes. Yeah.
1: So with this one, this is Diana uh, from North Carolina. So with, with you, Diana, and your daughter, keep in mind that the... Um, Attention deficit hyperactive disorder is really driven by a lack of dopamine. This is really a neurotransmitter that you want to kind of keep in mind that is formed from amino acids. The specific carbohydrate diet lowering high glycemic carbohydrates, such as the breads and grains and processed carbohydrates, would be wisdom. I would also increase the variety of and frequency of protein intake, which has the amino acids to help form the dopamine. Because when a person has low dopamine, they just can't pay attention. They're they're sort of um, distracted. Um, another characteristic of the ADHD autism uh, scenario is there is a biochemical process called methylation, M-E-T-H-Y-L-A-T-I-O-N. And, you know, uh, Diana, you kind of want to be aware of that because People or persons that are somewhere on the spectrum don't methylate well, meaning they don't produce dopamine well, they don't produce serotonin well, and they lack necessary B vitamins, magnesium, as well as proper amino acids. So nutrition becomes of paramount importance for your your daughter and you. Uh, it would be good for you at this point in time, especially as she's getting to this puberty, puberty time to you know, go on a a lifestyle journey with her, do it together. And mm. you might find that the bonding experience is amazing, but you're going to see that your health will improve. And you will see, I believe, some of these negative symptoms of the arthritis, arthritic uh, symptoms, because those are based upon inflammation, which is driven by, again, bringing in foods that the body's responding to that are negative. So again, cleaning up the diet is going to be paramount. B vitamins, magnesium, and amino acids are good to add.
0: Mm. That's really, there's a lot of people listening who have children that are really suffering from ADHD. And I hear more about this now than I've ever heard. And I think it's been around for a long time. So when I was a kid, you know, I know that there were students that were having, you know, ADD or ADHD. These are the kids that can't sit. still. These are yeah. the ones that, you know, the moms are saying, Hey, this kid's upside down on the couch. I can't get him off the refrigerator. Is there some sort of a, uh, of a nutritional marker that you just is sort of a baseline for someone who says, Hey, I think I haven't had a a diagnosis for sure, but I think either myself or my child is suffering from some form of attention deficit disorder.
1: Well, ADHD or ADD are typically diagnoses that are based upon, you know, behavioral characteristics or observations. Um, However, you can look at um, a blood work test called a methylation panel. As I just mentioned a moment ago, it's a blood work test that uh, most functional oriented practitioners can really come up with and do. But again, when we don't create dopamine, we get that ADHD phenomenon. It's becoming very, very common today, Mm -hmm. increasing commonality because of this nutritional shortage of these B vitamins and magnesium, which are found in a nutrient dense diet, as opposed to a calorically dense diet. You know, in schools today, Students are fed this idea of calories to try to create energy, but the calories are not equivalent to energy. What is equivalent to energy is nutrients. And so instead of chasing calories around, we need to chase nutrition. So, but what you can do uh, with generally any uh, body that's suffering from this, um, Kind of debilitating condition that can destroy, you know, the ability to pay attention and grades and all that. Cuff and behavior. Right, right. Um, Look at some B vitamins and magnesium, specifically methylated B vitamins, uh, namely some folate, uh, which is B nine, B two, and B twelve. B two is riboflavin as well. So people can use those kind of that formula I just gave them, and and find at least a multivitamin that has methylated B vitamins in it and when you do that you'll at least get the at least part of the nutrition in that can help them
0: out when they can get that from you guys right can they, they find can. these kinds of things at sherwood.tv is that a great place for them to start looking for these supplements
1: it is and and if you want specific supplements that i would say would always be helpful um if you have a child out there that's say over 10 and and can take um you know like vitamins I still am cautious with things they swallow, just me. Um, But if if it were me, I'd give some chewables. I like active nutrient chewables for kids. Active is A-C-T-I-V. I like that one a lot. And you can find that right on our website, of course. And it's a great one. It's got a sweetness to it. Um, it sure beats Flintstones vitamins with sugars. I was just going to say, right? wait a
0: second. You're, yeah. you're saying this is better than the Flintstones, right? No, they're,
1: they're not shaped like Barney and Fred. And, Which is and, really too bad. I don't know. Maybe they'll come up with that one day again. Maybe. I don't know. Of course, the kids <laughs> these days wouldn't know who Barney and Fred are, but I don't know. Um, but nonetheless, that. that would be really good to do. And uh, obviously, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this, omega fatty acids are always important to turn down this thing called brain inflammation. And you, again, with a child, you want to be liquid oriented. So uh, we do have one, uh, a couple that are flavored. It's called Omega Avail, A-V-A-I-L. And I like um, three flavors. I like mango peach. I like citrus sorbet and I like key lime. And they're actually so good that you can squirt them in your mouth and they taste really nice.
0: People are really writing in a lot, uh, Mm -hmm. Dr. Mark, about vaccines right now. And Estella falls into that category. She says, I'm not against vaccines, but I have always felt they push too many and too quickly at such a young age. With my boys, I gave all the recommended ones, but at one time, except the MMR, of course. Then they pressured me to give them the chickenpox vaccine, which I originally did not want to get. Then they made me feel like dirt because I didn't follow the typical timeline and told me that because I did it my way, the vaccines might not even be effective. And because they were older, ages two and four, that I was traumatizing them. They did end up getting the chickenpox even after the vaccine, but it was a very mild case. They seemed to be healthy, but because I was the way I was treated and because of my doubts in the CDC and the way they pushed the COVID vaccine, I've not given my daughter who is age two a single vaccine yet. My question is this, which vaccines do you believe to be the most important? And do you believe that giving them later affects the kids negatively?
1: Wow. That's a, a, a big question. And Estella, I appreciate your um, candor and sharing your experience because it is an experience that I have heard multiple times. Me too. The high pressure. I want to sort of help you with something, Estella, here with, you know, going forward. No one can have the power to make you feel anyway. Don't give that to them. Don't allow them to take that from you. In other words, when you give that to them, that power, they begin to have control. And you, as the parent, have, as God gave you, ultimate responsibility slash control over your child's welfare. Um, And I'll answer the last part of your question first now, is that as you give them vaccines older, is that traumatizing them? I don't think so. I think if you have talks with them about what we're doing and why and communicate openly with them, it's fine. I think you should spread the vaccines out like anybody should do. I I think that people today, you know, you might look at, uh, you know, vaccines like a, a polio or something like that as as being, you know, historically important. Um, but you know, you think about like our last one, hepatitis, I got to go, what, you know, right. what is yeah, that Why about? in
0: the world? Right, right. Yeah.
1: And I think there's, we're getting so much pressure these days and let us understand that it's all about profitability. Yep. Um, and I'm not knocking the clinicians. I get it. They're driven by a system that probably is putting a lot of pressure on them. And look, don't be surprised, you know, in every system because it's for profit that there's not, um. Bonuses paid out, not to the doctors per se, but to the facilities by the federal government for percentages of vaccine usage. Don't be surprised by that, because we live in a world where the federal government's really in control um, and controlled by the big uh, big pharma.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. It, it And and we're hearing and you just heard it from Estella. We're hearing more and more people that are saying, yeah. hey, look, I'm being pressured by my doctor, which is really too bad because it's hurting the medical community very, very it much. Is. when we It's hurting the, the patient-doctor relationship when it used to be almost a friendship, like the one that you and I have, right? And so I no. trust you and I can ask you a question and know that I'm going to get an honest answer that's not motivated by money, but rather a genuine care for the patient. And that is what I think has suffered the most in COVID.
1: Yeah, I agree. The trust factor has been broken and I frankly don't know that it'll be ever retrieved and recovered anymore. And I find that very sad because- Uh, My wife and I have friends and colleagues that have, that have the right heart. They really do. They're good people, but yet they got stuck in a system and we can all get indoctrinated in anything. You know, we all have the capability to to do goofy things and we all have the capability to do good things. So we're all subject to error is what I'm getting at. So, you know, you, you got to cut people a break and pray that uh, the truth will always come out, but realize that, um, in some people it, it's not accepted. So, uh. You know, I think you just got to search around until you find a practitioner that you can partner with that becomes a, a, you know, a, a colleague of yours within the journey of wellness. And that's how it should be. It should be a partnership.
0: Yeah, I agree. Amy in Texas wrote in to ask, have you heard of or noticed a growing number of jabbed people? She's talking about people that got the COVID vaccine developing hernias and requiring surgery. My nephew had, as well as a client of mine, both got the vaccine, the COVID vaccine. Then after asking it uh in a group I'm in, numerous people have noticed the same thing. It's all very odd. Of course, we will continue to see the medical ramifications of the shot over time. What have they done to our friends and family members who gave into the pressure? This is a this is a loaded question. Yeah. Uh for obvious reasons.
1: Well, Amy, I appreciate you asking this one. Um this is when I when I saw this, I had to go back and do a little research because I hadn't seen it yet in in our practice. Of course in all fairness um, and transparency, we don't have a whole ton of people that did go down the vaccine road, but we had, we had some, I mean, it's, it's a small percentage, not, not like 1%, but I might go 10 or 15 or 20% is pretty small. We hadn't seen that. I don't know the cause of this because I couldn't seem to find a definitive answer to this. You know, Uh, my suspicions are this though. And I was trying to kind of put my logical hat on is when you have this uh, hernia, what, creates that is when you lose the ability to sort of have the tissue that is is sealing up an area and you get weakness in that tissue. So think tissue weakness and tissue division. In other words, you don't have tissue strength anymore. So when you think about vaccines and, and uh, the initiation of the in- inflammation that is caused by the immune induction of that, Your system goes into an area that's trying to deal with the the pathogen coming in as opposed to the tissue repair on the inside. So it almost takes a priority of Hmm. dealing with this outside invader that's coming and is dealing with instead of dealing with the inside ability to repair tissues. So my suspicions are that that it's probably disrupted the normal repair process. But Hmm. I will tell you this though, for the people that are having that, you want to take in some collagen, you know, to give your body the chance to repair. So again a whole body collagen that would include baby uh, tissue collagen as well as bone collagen together would be a good benefit
0: yeah it's important and and we're reading more and more about the uh, the benefits of collagen yeah uh, it's kind of a it's kind of an amazing thing all right deb in kansas city she said i am 61 years old i've been diagnosed with osteoporosis my doctor's recommended i start medication to treat this do you feel there are better alternatives i already take calcium vitamin d i lift weights and i'm walking Thanks for your thoughts.
1: I do, Deb. I think that osteoporosis, uh, in my opinion, should be non-existent in our world. Uh, you see this often in a postmenopausal lady who loses the ability to produce hormones, specifically testosterone and estradiol, which do stimulate bone development. I'm not a big fan of prolia. Under only under this context, where if you have so much weakness, the bone becomes like Swiss cheese, and you're about to have a you know they're about to break. You could take Prolia for a while to sort of stabilize it, but Prolia doesn't work um, to fix the problem. And here's what I mean by that. Everybody understands, or you may understand if you've got any age on you, that there used to be something called a pencil. We used to use that in school, right? And so a pencil, you could take a new pencil and you could actually bend it. It has some elastic ability to it. But as the pencil aged, that pencil became more brittle and more stiff so it, you could break it when you tried to bend it, Right. Prolia will cause a stiffening of the bone on the outside, making it more stiff, perhaps creating more brittleness long-term. What I would recommend there for you is to uh, consider using cow. I really like that one a lot. And I would do that in the morning. And then something called Strontium, S-T-R-O-N-T-I-U-M, in the evening. That combination, along with weight training, along with good nutrition, uh, and specifically resistance weight training, would be good. You could also probably find a practitioner in your area that would be willing to discuss the idea of bio-identical hormone replacement with you, which can also stimulate bone growth. So in all that said, we have seen osteopenia and osteoporosis be reversed and uh, certainly be um, avoided.
0: Wow. So that's, I love the pencil illustration, Mark, is, uh, you know, I'm starting to feel it over here in my 50s. Like, wow. Yeah, (laughs) that's a good one. All right. The last one today comes from an anonymous listener in Nebraska. She said, I've struggled with sugar addiction my whole life. What is your advice for walking away from sugar and developing healthier eating habits?
1: Okay, anonymous, I'm going to give you a name. I'm going to give you a name that's important. It's called confidence. So go from anonymous to Confident. Um. Do not allow yourself to go down the pathway of claiming that you have sugar addiction. From this moment forward, I want you to proclaim this. I live a life conducive with healthy blood sugar. Again, I live a life conducive with healthy blood sugar. So set your mind right. the uh, The verbalization is a creative force that will change the internal dynamic of your environment. Secondly, you got to know that sugar is addictive. It creates a dopamine addiction, and it will kill you. It creates massive inflammation in the body. It will lead to type 2 diabetes, which is going to lead to heart disease, which is going to lead to brain disease, which will lead to death. So you got to have a plan to get out. I suggest, um, confidence, not anonymous, you contact us at sherwood.tv forward slash Heidi, and let's turn you into a testimonial, and let me let us teach you how to do this.
0: I love that. I love that. Dr. Mark Sherwood, you are such an encourager. I had a feeling you were going to encourage her to get away from that self-talk that's so damaging. Yeah. And I was waiting and boy, how do you did it? We have a lot more questions on here that I would like to get to. And in yeah. fact, uh, I've got a question that I'd love to shoot to you for Mailbox Monday. So we're going to do that on Monday's Perfect. episode. And uh, we'll bring you back for that. In the meantime, people can find you right at Sherwood yeah. TV. And if they go to Sherwood forward slash Heidi, that is where you guys can go to get mm-hmm. a discount that was set up specifically for the listeners yeah. of the Heidi St. John podcast. And I love what you guys are doing over there. You're not only bringing healing, but you are bringing hope. And uh, you're a hope dealer there, Mark Sherwood. And <laughs> I really appreciate you.
1: I am. I appreciate you, too. And I appreciate all the listeners asking questions, too, because that shows engagement and that shows interest. And when you have engagement and interest. You're going to find answers. So well done, the Heidi St. John podcast audience.
0: I love it. I love it. All right, you guys, if you want to send a question in to Dr. Mark, the way to do that is just simply to go to com forward slash mailbox Monday. You guys try really hard not to send them to me on Facebook messages or on Instagram or even on YouTube. If you can help it, you're going to likely get your answer uh, question answered rather more quickly by going to com forward slash mailbox Monday. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you back here again at the intersection of faith and culture.